It's Sunday night, it's 9.30 and it is time for the Jersnet podcast. The totally free Rangers show by the fans, for the fans and as always we are absolutely live. live tonight then welcome along remember you can get involved in the show by leaving us all your comments and your questions over on the youtube channel i'm going to be keeping my eye on that throughout the show and we're going to get to as many of those as we can uh, the pod is also going to be available as always to download from early on monday morning uh, make sure you subscribe so that you never miss a thing we are available on itunes google acast uh, cast cast box stitcher pretty much anywhere else you can think of to get a podcast um so hit the subscribe button maybe leave us a wee comment as well Tonight on the show, we are going to be trying to keep our spirits as high as possible after a very, very disappointing trip to Edinburgh and a somewhat turgid performance midweek at Ibrooks. We're also going to be catching up with all the latest news from throughout the week. Uh, if you've not caught on yet, my name is Ross Bennett and I'm going to be your Jersnet podcast host this evening. And as always, we have two excellent guests joining me. Uh, first up is a very warm welcome to my fellow part-time host, David Wren. Uh, David, how's your weekend been? Good evening, Ross. Um, the sort of weekend where I'm jealous of anyone that doesn't doesn't like football. Um, but yeah, other than, other than today's results, it's been okay. Thanks. Excellent. Um, also with us tonight, uh, it's a very, very warm welcome back to David Fraser. David, things, how are, uh, David, how are things at your end this evening? Hey, pretty, pretty poor, to be honest, Ross, after witnessing that rather uh, lacklustre performance at Tynecastle this afternoon. No, I know how you feel. Um, I'm, I'm doing my best to keep myself chipper and I've been honestly thinking of anything that I can do to keep my spirits high it's no easy um I have to say that it's probably the first time that we've had two guests on with the same first name so I'm gonna try my best but if I say David one or David a please do not be offended um and if we all get confused then we'll figure it out as we go along uh, usually I would start with the, the game that we had today, so that would be the Hearts game. What I'm actually going to do is start with chat about the St Mirren game, because honestly, if I leave that for another 20 minutes, I'm liable to forget everything about that game entirely. It was that forgettable. Um, so, David Wren, we'll start with you. St Mirren on Wednesday, it was very, very flat, but thankfully we've done enough to take all three points. What did you make of the game on Wednesday? Um, I think it was... You know, it wasn't great and I think it's very reminiscent of last season's post-winter break sort of hangover that we had. Um, and yeah, I think, I think the thing is, when you're into games like that, you know, submitting at home, you're, whether you're for the winter break or not, you're really looking for the players to, to put on a show for the fans and get, you know, confidence high. And it was disappointing that following a, a Stranraer Cup game, which was very similar, you have, you know, the the first team back out there after the high of, you know, the last the last uh, the last game before the break to then, you know, put in a well, obviously come out of the Hearts game, but it's really disappointing that they've they've not managed to to build on that result, and I think that's what we all feared was that perhaps there would be that hangover from the winter break, and and I think the Samirin game when when we maybe hoped that a bit more positive and, and, and a good a good performance against a team that let's face it we should be we should be comfortably beaten at Ibrooks that um 
that we can do that and, and obviously we got the three points and that was the main thing I think that, that possibly set the tone for, for you know what, what happened today but um, yeah, I think just a flat performance. I don't think it was was really much to write home about. And that's that's probably the most most disappointing thing. Well, when we released the DVD at the end of the season chart and how we got to fifty five, that that game on Wednesday is is hardly going to feature in the highlight reel. Um, why is it then, David? Do you think that we are struggling to get back into gear after the winter break? When unfortunately, you know, it, it happened as well last season. January was was tough for us and really was the month that kind of things fell apart on the title race front. It seems to be happening again that we're stuttering in January and that we're struggling to come back after the winter break. Why does it seem to affect us so much when, unfortunately, it doesn't seem to affect Celtic? I don't think that's probably one for, for the coaching staff to, to answer, but I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't um, know if it's the lack of regular games, especially after, I mean, that that's absurdity. I mentioned it the last time in the, in the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, but that's absurdity this this winter break. You pack so many games into December and then you pack so many into the, the tail end of um, of January. So then that means that you've, you've got a lull in between that. So it's then difficult to go from playing games every other week, every other day more or less in December. And then you have three weeks where you don't play any. And then you've got to come back and, and play, you know, however many, four in a fortnight or something that we're going to play now. Um, so, I mean, there's no doubt that the players have possibly lost that that momentum and that sort of routine of playing so much. Um, but as you say, it's not seemed to affect uh, Celtic. But then at the same time, they, for the second year in a row, were coming off a bad result. So then you're going there, you're soul searching a bit, you're coming back a lot more pumped up to, you know, put on a show for, for the supporters and, and show them that you're you're still in the you know, you're still in the game here. And maybe that's the difference, but that shouldn't be. I mean, surely uh, we should be coming back and, and being being more up for it because obviously we've, we've, everything's in our own hands and now now it's not, unfortunately, again. Um and it's it's now out of our hands in a way, certainly until the next the next old form game, you would think. Um and that's disappointing because we've we've lost that opportunity to build on what what was a really monumental result, or we thought we thought was a really monumental result. I think that's an interesting point, David, about Celtic's kind of reaction over the winter break. Obviously, Rangers and Celtic had kind of identical winter break training plans this this year. Um, so maybe there is something in the, in the mentality of the fact that Celtic both years have kind of come off bruising results against us and maybe you'll come back with something to prove um, I'm going to jump to the other David now there weren't many highlights from the, the St Mirren game on Wednesday and it seemed to me David that we're still struggling to break down teams that sit deep I mean St Mirren to my mind sat with a pretty flat back five and a fairly flat middle four sat very, very close in front of them. So we're, we're trying to break down two banks of players numbering nine people. Um, we've got very creative forwards, but we still struggle to break that down. Is that a concern for you? And, and do you think maybe we need to change our approach to matches like that? It's an obvious concern, Ross. Um, I think the, the big thing that sticks out for me with regards to the St. Lund game um, would be... Possibly, you know, it's laid bare the over reliance on 
Alfredo Morelos and James Tavernier that how much we seem to um, maybe struggle is not the right word, but we, we don't seem to be as potent without those two guys on the side. Um, I've never done whenever I'm on the pod um, waxing lyrical about how important James Tavernier is uh, with regards to driving the team forward. Um, having said that, I mean, good players, better players than Rangers have got currently can struggle to break down a well-organised uh, defence um, or a low block to use you know, current parlance. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is a concern. Um, I think that Obviously, the rest of us coming back from winter break, you know, um, the players are tending to take longer on the ball. They're not moving it as sharply as, as, as what they possibly could do to break down that stuffy defence. Um, and, yeah, we've been, been playing, been, you know, the squad that Rangers have got, whilst it's a good squad, it's not over-endowed with, you know, scintillating, attacking talent. Um Obviously, Ryan Jack, the sort of bigger pan, Ryan Kent, and Joe Aribo are tasked with um, the responsibility of opening up the packs and Monday defence. And, and whilst Joe Aribo played well, Ryan Kent wasn't at his best. Um, and the goal that, that Jermaine Defoe scored, whilst it was a, a typical poacher's goal, you know, an experienced striker's finish, I can't remember any real clear cut chance. Obviously, it was a couple of couple of high balls went in where Katic's got his head to them and, you know, for whatever reason, they went off target or had a defender or they were defended. But I think in terms of chance creation, I think we're just off. And I think it's just, as David mentioned there in his, his previous response, that the winter break um, is maybe um, just came at a wrong time for, for Rangers. You see, what, what slightly worries me then, David, is that you know, obviously we've, we've got a really poor result today and, and we're going to come on to talk about that against, a, let's be fair, a, a dreadful heart side, one of the worst heart sides that I can remember, certainly since they um, returned to the, the Premiership. Uh, we struggled to get the result against St Mirren. We kind of huffed and puffed and got that over the line. Dropped points earlier on in the season against Hearts. Um, and yet, when it comes to facing Celtic, obviously the League Cup final didn't go in our favour, but the performance, no one's going to deny we were the better side. We then blew them away at uh, at their place just before the new year, is there a an inference we can draw there, David, about the mentality of the players that we pump ourselves up for the big game, but maybe slightly take the eye off the ball when it comes to teams at the lower end of the table? I think that's a fair comment to make. I think you, you mean you've spoke about this before in previous seasons, where um, it's a mentality thing. Uh, where you know the, the players seem to raise their game for you know the big game in Scottish football. Um, they certainly they come unstuck at Petodre early in the season there when they, they raced into a two-goal lead and then let that slip. So um, I thought that um, what you're alluding to, that, that the performance today, I know you're going to come out on that properly shortly, but I th- it just smacked of, um, it was a kind of like a, an attitude that we're just we need to turn up and we're just going to automatically collect the points given where hearts are on the table. I think there's there's, there's I think that there's a, there's an element of that. Um, I just think that there's too many players. Um, they just seem to struggle to get up to speed. I think Ryan Jack and, and Wednesday night he tried manfully, but he's slightly off the boil. Um, 
I, I, I don't know what it is. I can't quite put my finger on it. I dare say the manager quite, can't quite put his finger on it. Otherwise, it probably wouldn't be happening. But you know, we've a few, few guys out through injury and suspension, and we've not just we've not really kind of um, hit the ground running again since we've come back from obviously the the break in Dubai. So it's. It's concerning times ahead, but I'm not, I'm not going to get too carried away on the back of one bad result. It's just, you know, it's just a bit, you know, um, annoying that we seem to have um, slipped up, needlessly, in my opinion, at Tynecastle twice this season. Oh, certainly, needlessly. I was there back in October, and it was again, it was flat, it was turgid, and it was uninspiring. Um, coming to the other, David, there's a really interesting point here uh, from from Chick on the YouTube stream saying that the winter break has left our players knackered. And actually, you know, we were just talking off there just before we, uh, just before we started the show that players like Joe Arrivo doesn't seem to have 90 minutes in his legs. Scott Arfield seems to be off the pace and, and doesn't quite seem to have the engine that he did last season. Is there any chance that taking the players out to Dubai for this intense 10-day winter training camp in, in scorching heat, has that kind of had a, a negative effect and maybe taken some energy reserves away from the tank? Um, I don't know. I think it's it really just depends on who who had the what loads of it. But what I would say is again, as I mentioned, you know, the lack of game time probably hasn't helped. And, and regardless whether you're playing bounce games and stuff like that, it's not going to um, it's not going to help help the sharpness. Uh, and you know, sometimes with with the training that they're doing these. Camps, it's you know based around fitness and stuff like that, which is fine. But fitness training is a lot different to you know that match sharpness. So it's probably had a combination of both um, in a way. But I'd be surprised if the if the you know the fitness coaches there were pushing them beyond like beyond the limits of, of what they were capable of in Dubai. So I'm not sure if if um, the particularly knackered from you know the actual trip there um, but I think that certainly the lack of games has probably played a part in terms of the actual match sharpness um, and that would be the only thing I would think physically would be would be an issue for the players yeah, well, let's, well, let's hope so I mean, it's, it's, it's just a tough one to take the fact that this seems to become a repeating pattern um, of this slump as we come back into the into the new year whereas Across on the other side of the city, it obviously has the opposite effect. Um, if we kind of were slightly alluding to the fact that the form's not great at the moment and, and that it's a, a wee bit of a concern, um, if we bring that now more into today's context and look at the game today, David, um, was this a continuation of the St Mirren game? Obviously, Hearts set up very, very differently to how St Mirren set up. Um, went with a, a pretty conventional 4-4-2. We're quite tenacious, quite aggressive. All the pundits on Sky Sports were sort of saying that they were surprised to see how aggressive the lineup was for Hearts. And you could see very, very on that they weren't going to let Rangers hold the ball, weren't going to let us get the ball down and play it and give us time on the ball. Um, so two very different setups. And yet the end result seemed to be the same with Rangers not being able to play their own game. Um, how did you view this one today? Um, I mean... Uh... I get the I get the point that they're the bottom of the league and that is fair enough. But they still have a, a big wage budget. They still got a lot of decent players in there. Um, so I wasn't overly surprised with 
performance of Hearts, and I think especially when when Rangers are or Celtic go to town, it seems to be these teams up their game, which is fine, um, and we should be we should be prepared for that. Actually, remind me reminded me quite a lot of the, the previous game at Tynecastle. I thought that the way they played, the way they sort of harried the the Rangers players was was quite similar, and I think. Again, like the like the second half of that that last game, we just didn't really have anyone in the pitch that was that was taking responsibility, and I think that's the biggest worry in, in those sort of games that we don't have a player taken by the by the scruff of the neck and, and we dominate the especially in the midfield area. And there's no doubt we missed we missed Morales today as well, and and obviously Tavernier. Um, but I just felt I felt like the player. I felt like no one was really stepping up to to take take responsibility and, and and really gain control of the game from our point of view. And that was the the most disappointing thing. I think Hearts getting our faces, but we've we've got to be better at dealing with that because it happened last time at Tynecastle. It happened at Petardry as well. Um, and I think we just need to step up and face that you know challenge. Um, a bit better and and really adapt our game because sometimes I think we're just a bit too nice and uh, I think today was one of the one of those occasions it was it was quite disappointing that we couldn't quite find a rhythm in the game and and, and get past just what they were trying to do to us uh, I think we let them let them play us play us at their game rather than trying to take control of it ourselves and and, and take responsibility. Well, look, as you say, there was no one really that, that was on the park that managed to step up and, and grab the game by the scruff of the neck. And as Graham says here on, on YouTube, there wasn't even a player on the bench that, that we had who could come on and change things. Um, looking down that the list of substitutes, I never really got a sense of confidence that any of them was a game changer. You know, we throw on Scott Arfield, who, as I say, is kind of half a yard slower than he was last season, seems to have lost a wee bit of that touch. Uh, Shea Ojo, who certainly hasn't done anything really to to enamour himself too greatly to the fan base. Um, Matt Poster will kind of come on, talk about in a little minute, because um, he's one of the players who maybe got himself past marks today, and, and we'll talk about what that might mean for the rest of his season. Um, David Fraser, coming to you, I mean, was there anyone for you that that picked up pass marks today? Who was your man of the match? Hey, that's a tough one. Um... I think he could give pass marks to possibly Connor Goldson for his performance. Um, although he 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 seemed to um, tail off in the second half. I don't think you could point the finger too much at Alan McGregor. Didn't have a lot to do. Um, was unlucky with um, certainly the, the second goal. Um, couldn't do anything really about the about the first goal either. Uh, truth be told. So um, other than the Matt Polster, he kind of he impressed. Given his lack of game time when he came on, um, other players. I, th- I thought Joe Aribo. I, mean, I thought it was a very timid performance from Joe. I'm, I was. I've been talking Joe up in recent weeks. Uh, I thought he was good on Wednesday night, and you know, in a poor performance. I, I thought he was. He tried to um, take responsibility, but he, that that chance he had when he went through on goal. Um, also, I wasn't quite. I wasn't fully expecting him to bury. I was expecting him to, to at least get a shot in target. Uh, and after that, he just he seemed to go into his shell. I don't know. I mean, it, when I say he went into his shell, it, it just it just didn't seem to um, you know take that 
initiative. He, he certainly wasn't hiding, put it that way. That, that's that's one positive you could derive from his performance. Um, there was just too many guys were off it. And um, again, I, I'm repeating myself here. You see John Flanagan comes in to say today how much we lose going forward on that side. Borna Barisic, other than uh, setting up uh, Ryan Kent's goal, you know, he was he was strangely quiet. I think that just the, the performance today, as David mentioned there, um, we allowed Hearts to dictate their style in the game. And that's the biggest disappointment from today's match for me. Um, we've went to tough places like Armand Vale on a plastic pitch against a side that's physical, gets in your face, wants to give you, you know, no time in the ball and we've, we've passed our way around about them. The, the performance back in uh, November time of memory serves at Armand Vale was outstanding, the 2-0 game. Um, and how we've not re managed to replicate that again, a, a similar performance today at Tynecastle, it's it's concerning. Um, you make mention there that nobody on the bench to come in and, and, and really affect the game. Having said that, I thought, I thought Scott Arfield made an initial burst um, for the first 10 minutes after the break, but after Stephen Naismith got an equaliser, there just seemed to be a flatness about Rangers. They, they couldn't really lift it. And then uh, obviously when um, and Glenn Kamara had a, a really, really poor game by his recent standards and and uh, Stevie obviously thought that he was going to go for it with throwing on Ojo, but it just seemed very, very disjointed. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it's, it's, it's a concern, as I dare say, the, the manager's obviously feeling at the minute, thinking about what he's what he's going to do to raise the, the spirits and the levels again for Wednesday night. No, absolutely. Look, we're kind of dancing around a, a fairly big elephant in the room here. The fact that we've got two absolutely key vital players missing. Arguably, our two best footballers are, are missing at the moment, one through suspension and one through injury. Um, we'll address these kind of individually. So, David Wren, coming to you now. Um, if we look at Tav, a comment here on the YouTube saying, I'll never complain about Tav again, because as soon as he's out of the team, you realise what, what you're missing. Um, he was replaced today by Flanagan at, at right back. And... We kind of actually we discussed this last week on the show. Would you would you stick with young Patterson at the back, considering Patterson gives a wee bit of a an attacking impetus, much like Tav, whereas Flanagan really is more of an old fashioned fullback. Um, I suspect he went with Flanagan today to kind of try and match the aggression that Hearts were going to be showing. Um, but what impact does it have to to lose to lose a player like Tav in the year? Not just lose your captain, but lose an attacking fullback in a team that plays with inside forwards and really, really relies on getting your fullbacks forward? Um, I think he's, I think it's just been been proved how important he is, he is to us and, you know, he is a, a key player. He, he assists, goals that he, that he produces from a right-back position are, you know, invaluable to us and I think just the width that him and Barisic provide the team um, Really is is massive for us. I feel a bit sort of sorry for for Flanagan because I feel like he becomes an easy easy target uh, because he's just not the same. He's just absolutely not the same sort of fullback. I think sometimes he has a place in the team. I think especially European ties. He's he's proved his worth over the past couple of years, but. I think sadly, I mentioned this the last time I was on. I think there's some players in the squad that just you have to say aren't quite good enough, and I feel that Flanagan 
from for where we want to be um, just doesn't really fit the bill anymore. And I don't think it's through any real, you know, fault of his own. I just don't think he's he's quite up to it. And I, I personally think again another thing that, that Colin and I had spoken about a couple of weeks ago was young players and and how you integrate young players into the team. Um, and I think I think Patterson had a good game against Trinari. He didn't do anything wrong. He certainly made an impression. I think I think when it gets to that stage, um, you should at least give him a give him a chance. Um, and perhaps against St. Mirren, that would have been the chance, you know, to to play him and give him a bit of a, a taste for league action. And if that had gone well, you know, he, he could have stayed in the team just as a as a backup to Tav. I think it would be it would be worth taking that chance. Than, than playing Flanagan, which turned into to a bit of a, a poor decision. Uh, Gerard blamed Aya Lockhart for taking him off at halftime today, but I don't, I don't think that'd been the only reason. Um, posters, obviously, there as well, but you know the rumours have been that he's not he's not in the, the long term plans. So for me, I would have I would have stuck with with Patterson, given him an opportunity um, as a young player coming through. So I think he matches up with with Tavernier, um, and has the same sort of attributes. Tavernier's invaluable to us, and I think you know any anyone that does routinely moan about him uh, will will certainly have to eat their words a bit after after his absence. You see, it's it's interesting you say the poster, the rumours, and I've heard the same rumours that he's he's no necessarily in the long term plan at the club. Um, which I think is a wee bit of a shame, considering that I think he came on today and was was probably well, he, he certainly impressed me more than I thought he would. I thought his passing was excellent and his movement was really good. Maybe lacking a little bit in, in terms of final product. Um, are you saying then that obviously we're looking ahead to Ross County midweek, but then a very very tough fixture Aberdeen at home, who uh, Aberdeen drop points themselves today but we'll have looked at our game today and, and realised that if they're aggressive and if they can get in our faces then they'll have a good chance at taking something from the game thinking ahead to Aberdeen David would you stick with Flanagan put Patterson in or, or maybe rely on Polster I think it's it's now a really difficult situation because Flanagan's played the past two games so what I said there about, about Patterson you, you would play Patterson then Give him a run of games. You can't with young players. You can't bring him in for a Scottish Cup tie, take him out for two league games, and think right, you're going back in. It's just it doesn't work like that. I don't think. Um, but I don't think Flanagan can 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 offer as what you know Tavernier does. So it's a, that that position has now become a bit of a, a conundrum for us. And probably if you had to, if you were asking my. Um, Opinion now, you'd probably have to have to, based on today's second half performance, probably look at Polster potentially. But it's just, I mean, you could out of the three, it's, it's there's pros and cons to, to each of them, and I think it's now a really difficult position for for Gerard to fill. I think it's also not helped by the uncertainty about who is playing in the right hand side and in, in the sort of forward areas, because we've had so many different players playing there, and it's it's quite hard then to to complement the right back with whoever's playing in that position. So I think Gerald's got a lot of thinking to do over the next few days ahead of, you know, as you say, Ross County and then Aberdeen. I think that position's a real head scratcher and he's going to have to make up his mind as to who's 
the best fit for the for the upcoming games. So David Fraser, as well as losing Tavernier over the last few weeks, and um, I think I'm right in saying Tav, there's a chance he'll be back for Aberdeen, but it's more likely to be the following week. Um, thankfully, by then we will have seen the return of Alfredo Morelos. Uh, Jermaine Defoe has we'll talk about him signing a contract a wee bit later on in the show, but his quality as a natural predatory goal scorer is undeniable. Um, one of the greatest goal scorers that's ever played in the English Premier League, full international and, and all the rest of it. Yet today, would you say that we kind of saw what was the difference between Jermaine Defoe at, at age 37 and a young, hungry Alfredo Morelos? And did today show us something maybe about the differences in the type of strikers that they both are? Undoubtedly. I think he, he, he saw today, you know, a five foot seven inch centre forward trying to lead the line on his own with, you know, he's lost a yard, a yard and a half a pace at minimum. Yeah, I think it's, it's a big ask for Jermaine, um, especially to play the number of games that he's, that he's played since the, we've resumed the, the season, since the winter break. Um I thought I must confess. I thought Jermaine Defoe looked every inch a thirty-seven-year-old centre forward today. Unfortunately, but probably that's probably an unfair criticism of him. Um, the systems set up such that you know when the ball doesn't stick, um, and he was he was he was well marshaled by Craig Halkett today, um, and the, the ball just seemed to seemed to come back to the Rangers midfielder. It get turned over and. And Jermaine done it, but he's great his game today, regardless of whether he got good service or not. He made a couple of half chances that he snatched that. Um, he's threw in goal once where he, you know, he's, his legs weren't carrying him quite as quickly as his brain would 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 like in terms of getting a shot away. So, um, ah, he's obviously he, he, the, the, the discrepancy between a 37 year old and a 22 or a 23 year old was laid bare today for me. Especially in terms of playing style, obviously Alfredo Morelos a far different centre forward to Jermaine Defoe. Um, he likes the centre half to get tight to him, likes to roll him. Not that, that's not to say that, that Jermaine Defoe can't do that, but um, when he's off form, you're going to see the kind of the deficiencies of, a, of an older player, physically. That is, um, they're going to they're going to be highlighted all the more today, and unfortunately, that was the case. Having said that, you know, Jermaine scored 16 goals this season. He's looked sharp in other games, but he just didn't look sharp today. And I think that it, all today uh, helped to reinforce was that we really should be in the market for a, for a centre-forward in this, this January transfer window before it closes, because I don't think we can go for the rest of the season relying on Jermaine uh, as back, as sole backup, really, to, to Alfredo, because I don't see Greg Stewart um, I don't see too much responsibility being handed to him as as a centre forward because it's not been placed in his shoulders thus far in the season. So, yeah, it's, it's it'll be interesting to see um, how the manager goes about it on Wednesday night and obviously subsequent to that uh, on Saturday against Aberdeen. Well, it's a shame because today was the the kind of game that Morelos would have loved. You know, it's it's physical, it's a battle, and um, you just know that coming out of his suspension, he'd have he'd have really wanted to to prove a point and, and and make his mark on the game. Do you think then that maybe 
that Morelos has to shoulder some responsibility, as today would have been a, the kind of game that he would have flourished in. And in, in my opinion, it's it, a game we would have won had we had the services of Morelos available to us. Do you think then that Morelos maybe has to shoulder some of the responsibility for today's result, given the fact that it was his um, his indiscipline or, or his let's say lack of wisdom to 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 dive and pick up that second yellow card and, and get himself a suspension? I don't think you can. Uh... I can say that he's responsible for today's result. I, th- I think he, where, the, where his responsibility lies in that he's making himself unavailable through his, his own actions. You know, it, it, you know, it's, without going over all ground, it, it, it wasn't very cute at, at trying to win a penalty at Parkhead. So, um, aye, whether he get, he get booked for, for very little in, in the first instance or not is, is immaterial. But, ah, you mean... It, where you're coming from, aye, Alfie's got to, to take responsibility. Now, there's no doubt that he's matured as a player. Um, he's obviously, uh, until very recently, um, he seemed to, to not rise to any bait. I think that the, the game at Far Park recently, when he was one of the, the Motherwell young team trying to hit him with a, a cup of coffee or a cup of bovril. I think that was the only instance that I've seen recently where he, he looked as if he was maybe, you know, slipping into bad habits again. Um, so, no, I don't, think you can, I don't think you can point the finger at Alfie for not being available, but he certainly is not helping his teammates or the manager any by not being available. So, all it will help, today's result, all it will help for him in his mind, is that I could have made a difference there. So hopefully, hopefully, if you know, if, if there's a positive to be derived from the situation, that he looks at that there today and say, I could have made a difference. I've let myself, and my teammates down by not being available for selection. So if if he if he screws ahead more going forward, then you know I'll take the positives out of that rather than the negatives. But I don't think it's unfair to just say you know it's, it's Alfie's fault they didn't pick up three points at Tynecastle today. Well, that's certainly a, certainly a very optimistic way of looking at it. Um, jumping to yourself now, David, for the last word on, on the Hearts game today, um, Ryan Jack taking off at 45 minutes. Now, I don't think anyone will question the fact that Ryan Jack has, has probably been one of our most consistent and, and best performing players over the course of the season, um, although maybe slightly gone off the boil in the last, say, four or five matches. There's talk that he's picked up an injury and... and that'll obviously be assessed. But if we are now to, to go through a sustained period without the services of Ryan Jack, what kind of impact do you think that that'll have on uh, on a midfield that otherwise you could perhaps argue lacks a bit of grit and a, a little bit of steel, maybe? Um, I think it will have a have an impact. You know, he, he keeps things ticking in the middle of the park. He's a, um, keeps the ball moving, which is, which is what you need, certainly in a midfield three. Um, but hopefully, I, I don't know how serious the injury is, but hopefully it was just precautionary today because I think we could really do it with keeping our best players. And I think, I mean, I've not really noticed a, him going off the ball, uh, off the boil, sort of, sort of uh, a great deal any more than anyone else. So, yeah, I think we need we need him we need him fit uh, and in the middle because I think he's a real leader in there. And I think this season he's certainly become one of our more consistent performers. You see, well, a, a comment here from Arizona Bay 15 saying that by default now Scott Arfield regains his position in, in the side. Um, do you trust Arfield to kind of pick up what what, Ryan, what we'll miss uh, when we lose Ryan Jack? 
Yeah, well, I, I trust him to go into the to go into the midfield. I've, I've no no worries about Scott Arfield. I think he's um, remains one of our best players. Whether he's he's been off the boil at times this season or not, I think he's still got the, the real quality that you know keeps him in place as one of the the better players we've got. Uh, I don't think he's a Ryan Jack type. I think he'll probably be the be the one that will, that will you know playing a more attacking role in that midfield three and he offers a different dimension. You saw it today, you know, he was he was in, in the final field a few times, which was which was good. And I think he offered a bit of a different dimension. Uh, certainly for the first sort of quarter of the foot the second half. Um so yeah, no 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 worries there. I think Arfield, Davis and, and Kamara is not a bad bad three in the midfield and yeah, I would have no no worries about him stepping in. Any chance at all that you might see a a reemergence of Greg Doherty in the side? Yeah, I don't think so, but yeah, I, I can't see that. Um, that that didn't even come into my head. I think I think the likelihood is he'll he'll go out and loan before the end of the the transfer window. Um, from what I've seen through the week there and what I've heard, so. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would be very, very surprised to see him anywhere near the near the first team. Nah, I have to say, I agree with you. Um, so, David, now if we jump to yourself, moving on from the game, um, and we'll take a wee look to finish the show at the news that's happened throughout the week. Um, I'd say the the largest piece of news that we've seen is the fact that Jermaine Defoe will be signing on a permanent deal at the end of the season that will that will take him through to to play as a Rangers player rather than a loan player uh, until the end of the 2020-2021 season. Now, we've kind of spoken about the fact that Defoe has, let's say, different qualities to what Morelos brings to the side. Um, but signing him up as a, a full-time Rangers player, is is this a, a good bit of business for you? I think we get mixed up with what David was going to be there. Uh, but for me, it's, um, yeah, it's a fine piece of business, I think. Um, he's an experienced player who you know, we'll do, we'll do a solid job as he has done since he came to the club. I think it's a lot to ask of Defoe to, to lead the line in games like today, like, like David said earlier. Um, but yeah, no, no, no worries about that. I think, I do think we could do with another striker through the door. Um, whether that's a younger, a younger player or someone that's a bit more proven in the league that can step in because I like, I like Greg Stewart. Um, but I'm not sure, I'm just not sure about him as a number nine. I just don't, I don't see him as a, central striker so yeah I think it's it's a good bit of business for everyone involved I think he's had a really positive impact at the club um, he's a great ambassador for Rangers and uh, yeah no complaints over that sign to, uh, to jump to the other David David Fraser how about yourself I mean that's the issue we're kind of skirting around here we have two recognised strikers at the club Morelos I think most people will put money on the fact that he'll probably be moving on for a, a good wedge in the summer Um do you think that that signing up to full for a year is firstly good business, and and secondly, how many uh, additional strikers do you think we need to be looking at either in this window or or over the summer? I think he's he's signing is is good business from from a, an experience perspective. I think he you know, his influence in the dressing room is is undoubted. Um, certainly, he's he's had a, a positive impact on. Um, Alfredo maturing as a as a player this season, um, 
So I, th I think from from that perspective, I, I think there's there's no doubt that it's it, it represents a, a no-brainer as such. Um, I've got slight misgivings about his 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 contribution to the side going forward. I think it's I, I, despite his goal record, uh, and I know he's a, he's a quality player. I'm not, I'm not disputing that. He's, he's a, a class operator, but he's he's well past his best in my opinion. And I think that it's. It's slightly unfair on Jermaine as a player to expect him to to carry the team in forward areas in difficult games. Now, I think today he's seen that the game was very, very scrappy. I think he's seen, he's seen like, how should we put it, the less um, glamorous side of Scottish Premier League football today. Um, and I think it's it's imperative that the the club uh, dip into the transfer market and, and look to sign another striker. I know they've been they've been they've been linked of late with uh, Tyres Campbell, Kevin Campbell's son that plays with Stoke City. Um, I don't know whether there's any any real mileage in and whether he's going to be, become a realistic option to add to the squad. But I don't think there's any doubt that they're obviously they're they're looking to find the next player to number one replace Alfredo in the summer. Um, now, assuming that, that, that Stevie's not going to change his, his playing style all that much, um, they're going to obviously look to a similar type player, you know, a physical player that can occupy a back line on his own. Obviously, as I've said previous, uh, previously in the show, Jermaine Defoe's not that type of player. So um, I don't see the, the, the playing style altering all that much. Um, when certain players drop at the side, because we're obviously to get hurt back to, to John Flanagan and Matt Polster and, and Nathan Patterson, um, we're obviously still setting up in a very similar fashion. Um, that places onus on certain players to create. Uh, today, Ryan Kent had a really a really poor game by his standards. The ball was bouncing off for me. He just he didn't seem to. He was turning to cul-de-sacks and. Other than scoring his goal, it, it, for him, a, a poor game. And that places... When, you, when you've got your, your, your creative players um, not firing all cylinders and not getting service through to the likes of Jermaine Defoe, um, that just highlights how you, know, you need to have another option available to you. I agree 100% with, with David's comments on Greg Stewart. He's, he's not a centre-forward by any stretch of the imagination. He's more an inside forward or a, a guy that can come off the line uh, and head towards goal and, and maybe play um, you know, one-twos, wall passes to try and fashion a chance. But he's, he's certainly not going to run in behind or anything like that to, to, to the, the extent that, a, that an Alfredo Morelos would or, a, you know, a, a younger Jermaine Defoe would. So I don't think there's any doubt that we should be actively looking to strengthen the forward area. Certainly for this season, if we're going to look for, to get guys in pre-contracts for next season, looking ahead to, to replacing Alfie, all well and good. But I think first and foremost, um, we need another backup option for this season in case something were to happen to Alfie long-term or... Uh, or Jermaine, for that matter. Well, look, I think you're absolutely right, David. What's um, you know, today has absolutely been a a battering ram to show us that you know, hammer home that point that we do need 
additional reinforcements up top of the park. What's difficult is that maybe this wake-up call has, has come a wee bit too late, the fact that we're now at what, the 26th of January and that the transfer window is closing very soon. Um, one point that I do very much want to discuss, and, and I'll stay with yourself, David, on this point, um, is we unfortunately, I think we kind of have to look again at the issue of media treatment. And, and in my opinion, I'll call it out as media bias in Scotland. Um, sadly, we've obviously last week we've seen the scenes of a striker at Celtic Lee Griffiths uh, throwing an, an object into the crowd at one specific um, Kilmarnock supporter. And what's upsetting from a Rangers perspective is the difference in treatment between Lee Griffiths and Alfredo Morelos. Alfredo Morelos makes a gesture to a group of Motherwell fans who have been abusing him all game, and he's totally vilified. He's um, you know, he's hot-headed, he's, he's got a terrible temperament and he's a villain of the game. And yet Lee Griffiths actually takes off some, uh, an article of clothing or, or takes off this ankle tape or whatever it was and throws it at a member of the crowd. And you've got clowns like Hartson and, and other prominent figures in Scottish journalism, in Scottish football, defending the guy for his mental health issues and his this and his that. And we all need to rally around Lee and support Lee. David, is, is this another example of bias in the Scottish media? You, you could label it as that. I think it's I think fundamentally it's it's a, a prime example of the hypocrisy of the Scottish football and media establishment. Um, but the, the, you know the scene had been set. Uh, the manager has the Celtic manager as Neil Lennon has had well documented uh, mental issues. So it seemed only natural that the victim card would be played where Lee Griffith's behaviour at Rugby Park was concerned. So there's nothing to surprise me there. Um, you know, from outsiders looking in, you know, if you if you speak to people like yourselves, you know, that, that, that live in England, you know, they, they hear about Alfredo Morales's um, off-field issues with regards to the, you know not being available for selection, his temperament issues. Um, and, you know, that, that's the number one um, facet of his game, other than his, the fact that he's scoring goals and, and at a high level, certainly when it, it comes to the Europa League. So, um, Lee Griffiths, you know, a talented player, but, you know, obviously has his uh, behavioural issues, but you know, you, you can it just it lays bare the fact that there's one rule for, for one and there's there's another rule for others. Let's put it that way. Jumping to the other, David, what's what's your view on on how this has been reported over the past seven days? And, and do you see a difference in treatment if you're a a, a Scottish Celtic player compared to a, a Colombian Rangers player? Um I don't know. I think the, Hart, the John Hartson stuff was, um, you know, it, it is what it is. I think it doesn't look great from from his point of view, and he's obviously a bit hot headed on the the radio. Um, but it doesn't really doesn't really bother me too much. I think if they want to to go on like that and and, and make a big song and dance about it, fair enough. But I just I'm at pains to to try and really be bothered by it because I just don't think it's it's worth it. What I will say, um, there's been a lot of talk about Chris Boyd and, and Griffiths and 
you know, mental health and, and, and that sort of thing. One, one thing I will say, and you know, this, is, this is someone that obviously work in the media, um, what I would say is there needs to be this, we need to stop with a, the sort of generalisation of, of everything and, and, and it seems to be that the one minute we're talking about um, one particular person or thing who has been affected by mental health issues, whatever that may be, and then the next minute we're, we're vilifying someone for an addiction issue or whatever it, again, whatever it may be. I think there just needs to be a more consistency over the way things are being reported. And I think that's been that's been something that's come to my uh, mind this week, looking at this play out, you know, the, the full narrative on online as well. I think social media is a, a big, plays a big part in this, but seems to be this sort of, Chris Boyd said this about Lee Griffiths and Chris Boyd as his mental, you know, it just it seems all very convoluted. And I think there needs to be, bit more consistency over the way people are speaking about things like mental health because it's not helpful for um for it to become this this stick to beat people with and and, and to argue over and to use it as a, a bit of what about it you know he he said this about him and you know mental health that's what brings it on that's what brings these these issues to the fore for, for a lot of people is is the way they're played out in in the media and on social media um, it's been disappointing to see the, the mental health aspect be used in such a sort of blasé fashion um, this week. That's been the biggest disappointment for me, is, is some of that being trivialised so much. Um, in terms of, again, as I said last time I was on, in terms of the actual media aspect of it, I think it's anything that, that offends, I think it's just best to be ignored. And I think if ex-players are going on the radio and, and shouting their heads off about... You know, I said that I said that just there. You know, this what about it? You know, bringing people in that, that aren't even related to to the story in question. I think it's just it's it's unhelpful, but at the same time, it's not really worth it's not really worth the time of day. Um, from our point of view, I don't think is and and the more that you talk about it, the more that you you bring it up. Everyone knows the relationship between between Rangers and the BBC at the moment. Uh, you know, not the best. So to then bring up and publicise it all, I think just guys like guys like that, that are going to. It's almost ill informed. I think it's just best not to not to give it the time of day. Do you know, I think that's actually to be fair. That's very very well said. Um, and actually, that's probably quite a quite a poignant note to to end the show um, on on that point. Listen, I think I think that's probably a, a nice place to end it. So, listen, I'd, I'd like to say a, a massive thank you to, to both the Davids this evening for your contributions, and, and uh, hopefully, it was never too confusing as to who I was talking to. To everyone that's been listening to the show, as always, a massive thank you for that. And make sure you head over to the website www.jersnet.co.uk, uh, where you can catch up on all the latest news, all the opinions, um, and the friendly discussion forum as well. Remember, the podcast will be back next Sunday and every Sunday with another show. In the meantime, you can find myself and the two Davids over on the Jersnet forum, so you can get in touch with us there and let us know what you think. All that's left for me to say is a massive thank you, as always, for listening, and have a great week. <laughs>